right, this is what I found. Everyone's different, of course, but according to a study from the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, the top contenders for what women will crave when they're pregnant were sweets like fruit, candy, or chocolate, and dairy like ice cream and milk. But they had some other ladies that had given some things that they were uh, hungry for when they were pregnant. It didn't really fit under either of those categories. So I'm going I'm to read some of those things. So one mother said, rice with brown sugar, barbecue sauce, and butter. <laughs> uh, she went on to say, I thought it was so good, and my husband looked at me like I was crazy. Another lady said, brownies with mustard. And then she also had a, a craving for uh, macaroni and cheese mixed with lo mein. So, yeah. Another uh, mom said McDonald's sweet tea, garlic stuffed olives, and salt. She said, my husband walked in on me drinking the pickle juice straight from the jar. <laughs> and there's a few more here. <clears throat> this one was interesting. This, this lady said, sometimes I put pickles on Oreo cookies. You know those little round pickles for sandwiches? They're the perfect size for an Oreo cookie. <laughs> I had never thought of that combination. <laughs> never. Uh, one lady said, I had a craving for chalky things like Tums and chewable vitamins. Another lady said, salt. I have been eating it by the spoonful. I even went as far as having the, hub, the hubby hide everything from garlic salt to table salt. Okay, two more. This one. Goldfish crackers dipped in strawberry ice cream. Yeah, some of you are saying, well, I might go home and try that. I don't know. <clears throat> she said, my husband had to hide the crackers because it was grossing him out. <laughs> we'll finish with this one. The combination. Pickles in cream cheese wrapped in pepperoni. No, <laughs> seriously? Somebody thought that sounded good. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, uh, next time we have a uh, church potluck and I see it, I'll know who brought it. Okay. Cause <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we're going to switch the subject a little bit here, but I want to talk about hungry. Um, and, and first thing I want to, Jesus was hungry for one thing in particular. I mean, he was a human. He got hungry for food also. But man, there was one thing that he was so hungry for. And we're going to talk about hunger today. But in John chapter 4, uh, it's up there on the screen. Verses 31 through 34, it said, Meanwhile, his, Jesus' disciples, urged him, Rabbi, teacher, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And being spiritually adept as they were, his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? And then he responded, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, I am so hungry just to do the will of of my Father. I just hunger to do that and to finish the thing that He gave me to do. And then He started talking about it. I won't read it any further, but He starts talking about this harvest. He said, man, the fields are white for harvest. 
I have come to do my Father's will. I'm hungry to do my Father's will. Which is what we're going to talk about today. That's really the title of my message. It's hungry for God and His will. Aren't you just hungry? Just hungry to, to know Him in an even closer way and to just be in His will? Now I tell you, I, I knew I was going to speak on hunger. God kind of took me a direction that I felt like maybe I had to stretch a little to go there. But He, but he took me to the parable of the sower and the seed. So we're going to talk about being hungry for God and His will, but we're going to go through the parable of the sower and the seed. And so it says in Luke chapter 8, which is, will be our text, is Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 4. I'll read these and then we'll put some words up on the screen. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, it was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Then when he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I've just said something that's very important. I hope you heard it. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, it is your word. And I pray that as, as I share these things from your word and, and just thoughts that you gave me to bring today, Father, I pray that their hearts will be touched. I pray, Father, that you'll help us to see what you want us to see. I pray, Father, that your will will be done. We hunger for your will. Lord, we don't want to go through this life doing our own thing. We hunger for your will, Lord God. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be going through these um, different places that the seed fell. And, and obviously the Lord is talking about really a person's heart. It's a different soil of heart, kind of hearts that the seed can fall on. And the, <clears throat> the first point we're going to look at is we're going to look at a situation for, where a hunger for God and His will never even started. Didn't even start. Didn't even get started in this heart. And Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 11, he begins to explain the parable. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed is God's word. What aspects of it? Well, certainly it's talking about the seed that God sent His Son into the world to die for the sins of the world. Okay, that's certainly that word. It's, it's the word of God that says that he, he provides forgiveness for everyone through faith in His Son. Trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your own life and receiving forgiveness from God. And the word would also include God becoming your Father and you walking with Him in this life. Walking in His will for you. So that's the word. The seed is sown. But it says, those along the path are the ones who hear, 
they, they hear the word that's shared, that's spoken. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So, this message that's the seed that's scattered, the message that's spoken, it, it never takes root. It lands on the path. And if you go back to when Jesus was first talking about this story, he said the seed was trampled on. It was like treated as if it was just nothing. You know, just trampled on. And then the birds of the air, which we find out are Satan, steals that seed so that it never takes root in the heart of a person. Now this is the sad part of this parable. Okay? Um, I was... uh, I did a wedding one time several years ago. One moment, please. I know my ear didn't change, so... There we go. I did a wedding one time, and after the wedding... I was talking with this young girl, just talking, and somehow, it's been so long ago, I don't even remember all the details, but I started talking uh, with her about the Lord, and I knew that she wasn't, I didn't really know her, but I knew she wasn't a Christian, and so I just started talking about the Lord, and she was listening, and, uh, you know, she believed in God, she believed in Jesus, I think she had kind of a religious background of some sort, but I started talking to her about uh, how Jesus said we needed to be born again. We needed to have this experience with him where we're, you know, and and I'm explaining this to her. And this other young guy came along. He was kind of off to the side while I'm talking with her. And he didn't seem really that interested in anything I was saying. And when I said, you know, it says you need to be born again, then he steps in and he says to her, and he doesn't look at me, but he steps to her and he says, when I'm with you, I'm born again. (laughs) And her eyes just got big. And she's like, they went off together after that. <laughs> and I, that was the end of our conversation. She went off with this guy and oh, just love was flowing. <laughs> I don't know what all was going on. But anyway, it's like, oh man. The, the devil stole the seed. I don't like it when that happens. And maybe there was some stuff planted in her heart. But, but that's just, um, the devil wants to steal the seed. He doesn't want that young girl hearing about the love of Jesus and how she can have forgiveness. And the guy certainly wasn't interested at that time. He was just kind of trampling on the seed that was being sown. So, a hunger for God and His will that that just never got started. And if if there's people that you are praying for and it seems like there's nothing there and the devil keeps stealing the seed, keep praying for them. Just keep praying because God can do miracles. God can do miracles. Well, the second part of the parable says this. And it's kind of like a hunger for God and His will that never lasted. It started, but it didn't last. In the words of Jesus, those on the rock, the seed that fell on the rocky soil, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy. Man, they received it. They receive it with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while. But in the time of testing, they fall away. Again, oh, this is just kind of sad. So they received it with joy. Jesus died for me. I can be forgiven. I can be brought into... I can become God's child. I want it. I want that. 
I mean, it's, it's a joyful message. The gospel is such good news. So they receive it with joy, but Jesus said they didn't have any root. There was no root. So I guess the question is, how are roots developed? Sounds like they received Jesus. Sounds like they were really grateful for it. But roots didn't grow down. The, the rocky soil kept the roots from going down to where they could get the moisture and life that they needed in order to continue on. So I'm just thinking, what are some ways that we as, as Christians that our roots go down? Because we want our roots to go down. Goodness, we don't want to have a heart that's rocky soil that lasts for a while and then it's uh, fall away. We don't want that. So here's just some basic things. These are like little side notes, but they're important. Little side notes here. How do, how do we get roots in our life that go down? One of them, one of the ways is we just stay in fellowship with other believers. You know? We just keep coming to church. Hear the Word of God. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. Be with other believers where you can encourage one another and pray for one another and care about one another. I mean, that's, that's one of the ways that our roots go down. I'll even read a scripture. Hebrews 10.25 Let us not give up meeting together. Don't start meeting together and then drop off. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day that Jesus is coming back is getting closer and closer. It's approaching. And God says, man, the closer it gets, do not neglect meeting together. You need to meet together. That's one of the ways that roots go down. You know, the roots into Jesus, but yet us being together helps that to happen. We encourage one another when we get together. Well, another way is just reading God's Word through the week. We come together, you know, once or twice a week or however the situation is, but there's a lot more days in the week than that. How do our roots get down? Well, just... Read God's Word. Start in the New Testament. If you haven't read through the Scriptures all the way, start in the New Testament. Read God's Word. Let that get in your heart. Uh, sure. You asked? I'll give you a Scripture. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Man, if you've received Him, you've tasted God is good. Now let His Word, read it, listen to it, so that you can grow up in your salvation. Let those roots go down. One other thing, and this is, again, these are just like basic things, but, but another thing is, is praying. Praying is going to help your roots go down. But listen, Jesus taught us how to pray. Praying is talking with God, but why don't we do it the way that Jesus showed us? You know, I, I have you ever tried to come up with a better idea than Jesus? Come on, some of you have. And you've tried it. How did it turn out? Was it really better? No, it's, it's, it's never better. Okay, So, let's look at this passage here. 
Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Disciples, followers, here's how you pray. Our Father in heaven. He's your Father. Talk with your Father. Yes, He's Almighty God, but He's your Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, holy to be revered is your name. God, you are holy. You are awesome. We worship you. That's part of our prayer. But the very next thing, later on he talks about asking, you know, asking, bringing your request to God about the needs that you have. But but that's a little further down in the prayer. This is what comes next. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus was teaching us how to pray. And he said, I want you to understand, prayer, you're linking up with your Father. You worship Him. He is with you. But in your prayer, put His kingdom above all. Put His will above all. And then later on, you know, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. I mean, it, it, all the other things that come. Your kingdom come. Oh, God wants His kids to stay hungry for Him. He wants His kids to stay hungry for His will. And not just kind of go through life doing stuff and, you know, loving God, but just kind of going... No, 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 no. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That verse, our text, the last part of it says, but in the time of testing, they fell away. And uh, again, that's, that's sad. But listen, times of testing come to everybody. There's not a person in this room that has not gone through times of testing. And there's probably one or two ahead yet. Times of testing. It's part of this life on earth. We do not live in heaven. It's a fallen world. It's a fallen earth. We're surrounded by people that have, fallen, that have a fallen nature. There's just going to be testing. It comes to everybody. You'll be tested through difficulties. You'll be tested through temptations. Anybody ever been tempted to do something wrong since you've asked Jesus into your heart? You'll be tested through persecution. You know, when you, when you receive Jesus and you're excited about Him, sometimes your family members aren't excited. Right. You know, when I asked Jesus into my life and told my dad all about it, he said, yeah, we'll just see how long this lasts. He wasn't real excited about me being a Christian, okay? The time of testing. Should we be afraid of a time of testing? No. God isn't sharing this with us to put a big fear in our hearts. Let me tell you, God is faithful. He is faithful. So, some of you have heard this story, okay? And it shouldn't change because it's about me. And if my story about me changes, then we have problems, okay? But, so you should have, this story, you should remember it. But anyway, when I became a Christian, teenager, asked Jesus into my life, very sincere, hungry for God. Wanted God. Wanted God's will. Didn't know really what it was. It was all new to me, but I wanted His will. But I went through a testing time. And it was rough. It was rough. 
You know, when God got my, when He came into my life, I was so, so thankful to be forgiven. So thankful that, that God was, He was my God. He was my Father. But I still had some sins that I had been involved in that I still struggled with after I gave my life to Jesus. Uh, don't be shocked. That's just the way it was. And I failed. God, I, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I would fall. God, I don't... I, you know what? I mean it, Lord. I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I want to walk with you. I'm done. And then I fell. It was discouraging. It was tough. Because I started thinking, man, I'm a failure. I'm a failure as a Christian. I can't walk this... I keep falling. What's with that? And uh, I got very discouraged. But even though I was struggling with these sins in my life, I wasn't hungry for my old life. These sins kind of had a hold of me, but I wasn't hungry for my old life. I didn't want my old life. I wanted God. I wanted to be free from this stuff. You know, before my prayer would, would be, Lord, don't let me get caught. Okay, now my prayer is, Lord, help me to be free. So, I wasn't hungry for the world. I didn't want to go back to the world. I didn't want to go back. But I was just discouraged. But you know what? I kept going to church. I just kept going to church. Meet with God. I kept reading my Bible. I started reading my Bible after I became a Christian. And I kept reading it. And sometimes it was kind of hard because I was under a lot of condemnation. At the time, I didn't know that it was not from God. Okay? I, I just didn't have that much understanding at that time. So I, now I understand that condemnation was from Satan. But at the time, I didn't know that. I was just under a lot of condemnation. But I kept reading the Bible. I just kept reading the Bible. And I kept praying. God, I need you. God, I need you. Forgive me. I need you. Uh, and I just kept on those things. I didn't, I didn't know it. But in the midst of all of that testing, instead of it causing me to fall away, do you know what was happening? The roots were starting to go down. The feelings aren't here anymore. The feeling of being saved and forgiven and all that wonderful stuff that were kind of gone and now it's just some struggling with sin and temptations and stuff. So the feelings were not like they were before. But my roots were going down. And God did some things very... I mean, he, he knows what we need. And let me tell you, I could share some things that He did that were just wonderful. But through that time of testing, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 was starting to take place in my life. I probably didn't even know what James 1, 2 and 3 was at the time. But that verse, those verses were starting... That's what was operating in my life at the time of testing that I was going through. You don't have to look it up later. I'll just give it to you right now. James 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> Some of you are smiling. Some of you are shaking your heads right now. <laughs> 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith is going to develop perseverance. It's not the will of God that the testing of your faith causes anyone to fall away. But in this life, there's going to be testing. And God says, I want it to develop perseverance in you. Patient endurance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. Mature. Complete. Not lacking anything. Well, I want to have those things without the testing. So do I. (laughs) But it doesn't seem to work that way very well. (laughs) So anyway, life is not all a test with Jesus, but there are tests. There are tests in this life. Well, a hunger for God and His will that never started. The second thing I brought up just now, a hunger for God and His will that didn't last. The third one, part of the parable, a hunger for God and His will, I said word, a hunger for God and His will that never matured. Didn't fall, didn't fall away, just never matured. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Kind of stays stunted. It's like these thorns choke out the things that God is wanting to do. A hunger for God and His will can get choked out by worries of this life. If we become so focused on situations and circumstances and it's just we just are worrying about it and that's where all of our attention is, it chokes out what God is trying to show us. It'll choke out our hunger for God because we get consumed with these things that we're worried about. Jesus addressed it a few times. Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. You know, this is the story where he talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, you know. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Don't let your day be filled with focusing on the worries. So he goes through this story about how our Heavenly Father loves us more than the birds of the air. He feeds them the grass of the field. You know, it's a wonderful parable, but it finishes with this verse. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first His kingdom. Well, if I'm not supposed to worry about all these things, what am I supposed to do? Seek first His kingdom. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, to God it does. To God, it seems to make perfect sense. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Keep that hunger. God, I want you. I want your will. I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for your will. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God will take care of the other needs that we have. So... Don't don't let don't let yourself get consumed with the worries. Jesus said, I don't want you to worry. Seek my kingdom. 
seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The other things I'll, I'll work. I'll be in the background. I'll be taken care of. I'll set, it, I'll set it in order. A hunger for riches can also kind of destroy our hunger for God. And we need to be careful about that. It says they're choked by life's worries and riches. So we don't want things to become more important than God. We can have things. God can be glorified in it. You know, if we give him, give him the glory. But, uh, but we don't want to be hungry for things in this life. And it said riches and pleasures. Oh, I should get that. I'll put it back up there for you. Riches and pleasures. So again, Scripture says God has given us all things for our enjoyment. I mean, creation is for our enjoyment. But it was never meant to take His place. God never wanted Him to become second place to the things that He's given us to enjoy. Okay? So, we, we want to mature. We want to mature. Well, let's just go to the final one. Which is the good one. A hunger for God and His will that produced a crop, that had a harvest. Okay? But the seed sown on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word. They, they hear it. And then it says, retain it. They retain it. They want Jesus more than anything this world offers. They're hungry for Him. Instead of being consumed with their needs, they determine, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. God will take care of me. Their prayer just continues to be, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. They continue to desire the milk of God's word. Keep coming to church. Even if the pastor talks too long, <laughs> don't say a word, John. Don't. I I can see the gears turning. Just just don't say a word. Okay. <laughs> oh, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. You know, it, Jesus just simply said, "If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit." If you'll abide, if you'll remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. So, this, this crop that is produced, it just brings glory to God. You know, as we hunger for Him, as we hunger for God's will to be fulfilled in our lives, in our church, as, as we hunger for that, the things that happen, because there will be, a, there'll be a, uh, a crop that comes from it. But God is just glorified in that. It's, he's glorified. And so I want to close the, the message today just with the words of Jesus again. You know, and I want to echo those words myself. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. You know, we've been sent into the world just like Jesus was sent to the world. God has sent us out into the world to be light, to be salt, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work so 
I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to close the service with some worship. And uh, the Lord is kind of challenging me. Been a Christian for several years now. And I don't want to look back and say, that's when I was really hungry for God. I don't want to look back to a certain time in the past and say, wow, that's when I was really just pursuing the will of God. I don't want it to be some time in the past. You know, I want it to be now. I want it to be even more so in the future. You know what I'm saying? I do not, oh Jesus, please help and not to be that my really hungry times for God are a story I have to tell about the past. I want it to be a story I can tell this week of what happened. You know what I'm saying? Hunger. Hunger. Hunger for God. Do you have a hunger stirring in your heart? Your hunger for Him. You're, you're hungry for His will. You want His will. Oh, let that stir up. Let that stir up. If anybody's going through a test right now, God's going to take you through. He's going to take you through. Just don't get consumed with the test. Seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. The Lord will work those things out. He'll work them out. You're not going to make it through because of your great and vast intelligence. You're going to make it through because of God's faithfulness. He's faithful. He's faithful. <laughs> I'm going to dare to say this. <laughs> it came to me earlier, and it would have worked out you know, a lot earlier in the sermon and not at the end of the sermon, but I'm going to say this anyway. I talked about maturity. Here's what I've seen as far as maturity and people walking with Jesus. Those who really are mature, they don't see themselves as real mature. They just keep thinking, man, there's just so much more. There's so much more. But those who are immature, a lot of times see themselves as mature. I've seen some very immature Christians who just thought they were so mature in God. It's like, oh Jesus, a crash is coming. Help them. Humble themselves and just get hungry for God and, and trust in the Lord. So if you're going through a trial, if you're going through a trial,